everybody. Uh, I'm Jason Soto. I'm Rob Branch. And uh, we are the hosts of the podcast Cinegamer. It is a podcast that takes a look at board games that is based on movies, TV shows, books. Uh, what else is there, Rob? Pam- pamphlets? Uh, pamphlets. We put the thin in games. I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh come check us out over at rabbitholepodcast.com or you can uh check us out on anchors spotify google apple anywhere you get podcasts from definitely check us out and we are definitely if you couldn't so, tell are we on stitcher too we're on stitcher yeah hey how about that we're on stitcher also yeah so check us out in all those places and we are definitely adult orientated don't let the board game thing fool you so come check us out, rabbitholepodcast.com. We're adults. All the shows here at Rabbit Hole Podcast are sponsored by Audible. If you go to audibletrial.com forward slash rabbit hole pod, you get to try it for free for 30 days. You download any audiobook, original show, or podcast you want. After 30 days, you pay just $14.99 a month and get access to more audiobooks, original shows, and podcasts. Cancel anytime, and if you do, you get to keep anything you've downloaded so far. So it's literally risk-free. Again, that is audibletrial.com forward slash rabbit hole pod. Using that link helps us out, and you also support the show. You can also support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash rabbit hole pods. For as low as $3 a month, you get early access to episodes and all kinds of great bonus content. Again, that is patreon.com forward slash rabbit hole Welcome to the Word of Hellmouth podcast, where we are going through the entire series of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, episode by episode, rewatching and discussing everything that is Buffy and the Scoobs. Today, we dive into season one, episode seven, Angel, for some fun OG vampire goodies. <laughs> I'm Heather Baxi Walsh, and with me is my friend in Slayage, who is my friend in Slayage. Yes, that's it. <laughs> that wraps it and, up. Yeah. <laughs> Join Mark. Welcome to the show with me again, Mark. We're going to have a fun episode. <laughs> we are. How's it going, guys? How's it going? You know what? I think I'm going to start a thing where I name all the episodes like an alternative title. And uh, this week's title is Why Do Good Girls Like Vamp Boys? Oh, gosh. I could probably, I, I'm like your poster girl for the answer there. And it's it's a lot of therapy <laughs> to, to get to that answer. Yes. <laughs> I have to break it down. It's totally cliche. The absentee father. You know what? Hey, Start there and work with it. <laughs> it, it. It's a cliche for a reason, people. It's, it's it, a thing. Yes, I don't know too. I've, I've, I, I know, I know that I've always been like for the kind of the bad guy thing, but I, there, there's something to be said for the, the kind of the mystery. I think more of it, the idea, the immortality. I, I don't think it's just a 
good girls like in the bad guys thing. Plus, Buffy is not 100% a good girl. True. Very true. She she looks the part on the outside. I think it's one of the things I like about Buffy. She looks like she should fit in this this little this little circle, but she's a square, and I like it. Or the other way around. Either way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Right. So what I enjoyed about this episode, well, I correct me if I'm wrong, or if you noticed this prior to Buffy, but Buffy was like the first kind of serial sci-fi fantasy show that I watched, where the story isn't necessarily linear. Meaning, like, there are definitely episodes dedicated to moving the overarching story of the season along. And then there are also kind of, like, filler episodes, you know? So our last few have been kind of filler episodes. But in this episode, episode seven, we kind of get back to the main thread of the season with the Master and, you know, what they're trying to do in Sunnydale. So are there there any other shows prior to Buffy that kind of had that same weaving in the single thread going through? I think I think that there are, but I think this is the one that I I was specifically sci-fi shows. I, I've noticed mm-hmm. it with with sci-fi shows when I was younger. Um, Babylon Five was one that did it in the early nineties. Um, around the same time, Stargate came out, and it was it was one that that kind of did this thing too. I think uh, X Files was uh, late nineties, mid nineties. Uh, start yeah, to. it was. So I think it may have existed before, but I think this is around the timeline that it became prevalent. And 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 I think also you and I, we both when we first originally watched, we both started in the second season. Yes, yes. So so coming back and then rewatching this first season the first time around too, I remember watching this episode going whoa, and I didn't even have that initial not knowing about Angel and the the whole thing. But you get a mm-hmm. lot. Of backstory, you get a lot of the the vampire lore explained to you in this episode. We learn a lot about Angel, obviously, but mm-hmm. but we also learn a lot more about the Master Darla and and like you said, the whole overarching plot for season one in general too. In this episode, this is probably too. I I felt like it was the strongest episode of the season so far. It's absolutely. It's definitely the best written. It's it's. It feels much more mature um, and focused and, you know, and, you know, a lot of that too, I, I, we can owe to the chemistry between David and Sarah because holy shit. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, but I definitely, I definitely think that that's, that's true to be said, at least it's certainly in this genre specific. It's so, it was so, so different from everything else at the time too. <clears throat> yeah, but we do well, the first. Def- the, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, you, you can definitely see it in shows like Supernatural and other uh, serials, fantasy sci-fi things like The Vampire Diaries, where there are these kind of I don't want to say throwaway episodes, but they're episodes that don't move along the main plot of the season or series, and you know they're easy to spot now. But I was just trying to think of a point where where like it kind of I don't want to say everything originates from Buffy because you know. There was sci-fi TV far, you know, before, you know, Buffy hit the scene. But I don't personally recall, you know, that type of storytelling, the weaving in and out of the story with a little side, you know, side quest, if you will. It um, is, yeah, that's perfect. Perfect side quest. Okay, from now on, Mark, you have coined the phrase, all filler (laughs) episodes, all just regular Monster of the Weeks are now side quests. 
write it down. Side quest. <laughs> I am. Side quest. Because I'm telling you right now, 90% of my life is side quest avoiding the main quest. <laughs> <laughs> That is so true. <laughs> and that's also why I'm still playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla because I'm doing all the side quests and I get into the damn main story. Oh, God. Yeah, that's, yes. that's me right now still somewhere in Witcher 3. So I'm, I'm, I think I'm in a big cave somewhere uh, with a ton of spiders in Skyrim. And, mm-hmm. and even on in Mass Effect, I will not play any of the main missions <laughs> until I've done all the side quests that I can possibly do. <laughs> Oh, oh yes. Yeah. It's it's a theme for life and a theme for for gaming. <laughs> it is. It is. We are a multifaceted bunch here at Welcome to the Hell, a Word of Hellmouth. So, yeah, <laughs> you'll hear it all. Like getting to this episode. So, yes. the beginning of the episode, we we see uh, the master. So that kind of center, that centers us back into the main story of the season thus far. We see the master, and the master is lamenting about you know. All of his soldiers are dying because Buffy's a bad bitch. She's killing them all. So he comes up with the idea while talking to the anointed one that he's going to send the three after Buffy. Uh, the three, we next scene, we see three kind of biker dudes walk up. Think, oh, this is the three. No, it's not. The three are vampires. Of course, they come walking around the corner. Uh, do they kill the bikers? I don't remember. I should remember this, but I think they the just. I think they just walked by him. I, I yeah. think so. They just walked past the bikers. And, you know, that is the glimpse of the three. Uh, after that, we go, uh, we're in the bronze. And it's... Uh, fumigation it's party. Fumigation party. Yes, the fumigation <laughs> party. Now, I got to take a pause here for a second. <laughs> because it is uh, the briefest of moments. But it was very, very mid to late 90s. The bartender, who was a man had on like a metallic silver baby doll t-shirt. <laughs> the baby doll t-shirt, it, it was a t-shirt that had short sleeves, but the sleeves stopped like three quarters of <laughs> at, at the shoulder. Like there there were there was no need for this to be a short sleeve tee. This could have no. been like a halter top or a tank, but it was like the babiest of sleeves on this on this shirt. And I'm like, if this is not 90s rave culture, I don't know what is. I am certain that bartender was slinging K in ecstasy <laughs> behind that bar. I knew he looked familiar. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. And this is another small slight tangent, but it made me think of there was a there was a Barbie doll in the nineties called Earring Magic. Do you remember this by any chance? No, <laughs> the, no. So Guys, this is completely Google. You, you could Google this. this. is the true story. So I found about this recently. So Bar- Mattel, the people who make Barbie, they uh, were looking for ways to sell more Ken dolls, right? So everyone loves Barbie, but they wanted to sell more Ken dolls. So they commissioned, you know, their research and development team to go out to places where they're really cool, really hip, and, you know, look for, you know, where are the cool guys wearing? So they wound up at raves, right? So... Uh, they noticed at the race that all the guys had on these circles, like little, like about two and a half, you know, you know, this is going to have about two and a half inch, you know, diameter circles all, all over the place. It's like, oh, these circle things are kind of cool. All the guys are wearing them. So they made a doll 
that had all these little circle things on it, and they called it Earring Magic Kang. Little did they know, those were cock rings. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I'm so happy right now. So, <laughs> there is a Kindle. And please, I, I swear to you, I'm not making this up. Google Earring Magic Ken. And it's essentially a twink at a 90s rave wearing a cock ring. And they were none the wiser. Okay, so I am now putting this on my Christmas list. And I'm really, really hoping my husband buys it for me. <laughs> and, it's, <laughs> and it's so funny because the bartender could have easily been Earring Magic Ken. <laughs> and as a kid... <laughs> I read... <laughs> no, we're not going to get past the bronze on this episode. <laughs> but uh, and this is the true story. Like, I remember being a kid of uh, Barbies that have like a, a brochure of the Barbies and things. And my cousins and sisters, they all had Barbie dolls. And I remember seeing Earring Magic Ken in the like Barbie brochure. I'm like, what? What is Earring Magic? That doesn't make sense. But yeah, it, it is magical. It's, it's quite magical. <laughs> oh, yes. that's so amazing. Ignorance sometimes is bliss. <laughs> it's hilarious, hilarious bliss. Oh, my goodness. But yes, but this was the uh, party at the bronze where the bronze gets, you know, fumigated uh, for three days every year. And every time you kill a cockroach, you know, <laughs> you get like a discount off of a drink. Yeah. <laughs> Which was hilarious. Yeah, we little squashed one. Oh, there's there's a really good moment at the beginning here too. Like you know, as as much of a problem as Xander is, and will continue to be throughout the series, Xander usually ends up with either the funniest line or has has the best comic whatever throughout every episode. And he had a bunch in this one, but there's there's a great moment where he's he's dancing like a complete utter goofball, and he's smashing into people, bumping into people, and he hits an accordion, and they had their usual their usual banter and what he mm -hmm. says is and he's polite as he's walking away he says i don't know what everyone's talking about if it doesn't make you look like a hooker at all <laughs> <laughs> i barely yes. laughed when i heard it i'm like oh that's that's solid that's that's a solid solid insult and that one bothered her for a while because it she's did. usually the last the one with the last word too so i was like she is she is. And honestly, there isn't a whole lot of Cordy in this episode, mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of unfortunate. But, you know, I get it. They're moving things along. But, you know, whenever she's on camera, she does, you know, make the she most of it. it. But yeah, she does. She steals it. I love it. I love it. She's 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 totally rotten for the first season or two, but she still entertains the shit out of me. <laughs> right. So we uh, after, you know, we set up the scene. We see Buffy and Will kind of talking, and Buffy essentially says that, you know, she's guileless. There, there is no guy in her life, and she's lamenting about that. Um, and Will, of course, asks, hey, what about Angel? He, she's like, yeah, you know, he's mysterious, but, you know, I don't know much about him. You know, essentially, you know, he just pops up, says, I'm in danger, then leaves. You know, what kind of relationship is that? Yeah. <laughs> Which is true. Yeah, that, that's kind of, you know, a weird one to be in. Uh, so. Buffy is taking her leave, and of course we see Mr. Bruton himself kind of in the background staring at her. You know, she turns around and he's not there. Uh, so she exits the bronze, and this is where essentially she comes in contact with the three. Yeah. Uh, the three are three, of course, uh, vampire warriors who are a little bit tougher than your average vampire. 
and they have our homegirl cornered. You know, one pops out, grabs the arm, other one grabs another arm, and that's a third one. And you know, Buffy, you know, it's it's scary. You know, it, the, the the situation looks dire for her. Uh, this is when we get like the first commercial break of the episode. Yep. Uh, that little bit of a cliffhanger, like, oh, Buffy, you know, what's gonna happen? So we come back from commercial, and Buffy kicks one of the um the three. And you know she starts to fight, but you know it's kind of a lost cause because there are three of them, one of her, and and they're badass and armored. I mean, these are super are. vamps too. They're not just yeah. like your regular run of the mill vamps that are just hanging out. We've we've gotten from that earlier scene. We already know that there's there's something pretty epic about these guys. This is true. This is true. And this is when Angel comes out of the you know the darkness and helps Buffy. I uh, and you know, they defeat the three. They don't kill them, but they defeat them. And in the process, Angel gets injured. <laughs> yes. Angel gets injured. That, you know, that if that, he was that, called uh, Drogo, this would have been the end of him. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That white crew neck got some blood on it today. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so Buffy, you know, being the slayer and the protector that she is, you know, she grabs some like, okay, we're, we're going to my house. Let's you no, know, let's get in here. So Buffy, you know, she's running. She gets into her house. The three are outside. You know, they're trying to enter the house. They can't because they're vampires. And vampires cannot enter your home unless you invite them. Yes. And this is the first episode where we get that information. Yes. It is the first episode we get this information. So, uh, Heather, what happens next? Oh, (laughs) I'll tell you all about this part. (laughs) Because I'll tell you what. David Boreanaz is very young here, but he's still old enough for me to swoon <laughs> and not look back yeah. on it and feel a little a little creepy about it. <laughs> right, right, right. He was a he son, takes, what, 24, 25? Yeah, yeah, I think he's in his mid-20s, which, which is definitely a bit young for me, but I'm old enough to still appreciate what's going on here. And also, I still have teenage Heather's mind going back and watching this and having my jaw drop to the ground. But yes, so Buffy immediately goes into the I've got to help you in your injury. Let's see how bad it is. So he takes his shirt off, everyone. Mm-hmm. Do you hear me? He took his shirt off. And yes, it was nice. He's Pretty he has, nipples. Yeah, and he has that lovely V that, you know, it's it's just magnificent. He's got that beautiful... I think the gays call it the swimmer's build. It, oh, I love the gays. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> And it is. It's quite lovely. So Buffy's trying to not focus on that, which she's doing a damn fine job of. And we notice he has this lovely tattoo on his back. And she's mm-hmm. curious about that. She's curious about more than the tattoo. Sure. So she, start, she starts to fix him up and, and help him. And then oh, mom's home. Oh, yes. <laughs> now, <laughs> and he has no shirt on. And he's clearly considerably older, too. So, I mean, this is, this is, this is a moment that I don't know if anybody else who's listening has experienced it, but if you are in a situation of, you probably shouldn't be this, or you shouldn't be that, and your parents come home, that's scary. Like, my heart still stopped. (laughs) Even though I knew what happened, I'm like, oh, girl, you are in trouble. Oh, yes. (laughs) Nope, nope. They pulled it off really well. He had his shirt on really fast, and it was he's my tutor. He's here to tutor me. And Joyce looks like, yeah. excuse me. Um, it's a bit exactly. late for tutoring, but she still went and put herself to bed. <laughs> right. My like, Joyce, Joyce, like, 
I just <laughs> in this scene, I'm like, girl, this like for a multitude of other reasons, this one I have flown for me <laughs> in Same. my childhood. Same. It was a whole different conversation. But like Joyce, <laughs> this 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 grown ass man, <laughs> it's it's in your home with your daughter, and you're not there. You just came in. He's in the corner. Like, hello, hello. It's like, hello, who are you? Like Joyce, come, come. Joyce, I, I I needed you to 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 you know. Give me a little bit more in this scene. I get why you didn't, but I think at one point Buffy says, "Oh, he he's in community college. He's helping yeah. with, with history." Buffy is sixteen, if not fifteen, at, currently. And I, no, yeah, she's, I think 15 she's fifteen right now. She's fifteen, she's 15. right now. And you have a community college student. Let's just assume eighteen, nineteen. You know, in a room, in, in a house by himself with your fifteen-year-old daughter. I can tell you right now, as a 15-year-old girl, if I was left in the house alone with David Boreanaz, there would not be any studying going on that had anything to do with the books. Absolutely. We would be back to where the shirt was. Thank you. Thank you. Physiology. (laughs) Bodily fluids. all, All of that. All of that. Yes, we're going we're going through the reproductive course right now. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. god. It would it would get it would get there and I would be the perpetrator of all of it too. It would not be him <laughs> taking advantage of me. The situation would be reversed and it would be perfectly oh. fine. So 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 Mama Joyce, she goes upstairs, conveniently goes to bed and and mm-hmm. Angel stays because it's too dangerous for him to go out there. But at this point, he's just a human. It, it could be there's three of them and they already got their butts kind of kicked. So he goes to Buffy's room and mm-hmm. they close the door and there's only, oh, 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 oh boy. There's the one bed trope. Yes. There are two of us in one bed. Whatever oh, shall no. we do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Buffy offers to sleep on the floor because he's injured. Like, oh, she is such like, she's, she's great. She, She's the alpha, quote unquote. You know, she is. Like she's the protector. She's the person that fixes things. She's the person to make the sacrifices. And this whole situation is just so funny because she is the more dominant, quote unquote. According to her, like she feels that she's the most, she's the most dominant person in the room. Not because she wants to be, because she's the slayer. You know, she's like, okay, I'll. She's going to make the sacrifices. I'll sleep on the floor. You know, do this, do that. Look out. You know, she's taking control, not knowing what we already know. But I guess no. we didn't know it then. But we'll we see. did, but we didn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, too, there's a really great point here. Now we've we've had Xander in her room before when she changed her clothes. Xander mm-hmm. was being a creep and trying to look at her in the mirror. Meanwhile, we've got Mr. Angel over here, who's a grown ass man who Uh turns around and doesn't even attempt to look at her very lovely body. Not one time. He is a complete and utter gentleman the whole time, which therefore Mm -hmm. he wins all the good points and kind of doesn't really put him in the bad boy category quite as much as Xander. Yes, (laughs) yes. Even though Xander's closer in age and Angel's a grown ass man, grown, extra grown. (laughs) <laughs> no, we'll, we'll we'll find out how grown later in this episode. He does mention <laughs> yeah. that he's older than her. <laughs> yes, he does. He does. I'm like, I'm, thank God, someone did. Someone had sense, you know, back in 1996. <laughs> 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 yes, <laughs> he mentioned the fact that he's older than her. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, 
And they wind up sleeping. She takes the bed. He he insists on taking the floor. And he sleeps beside Buffy on the floor like a little puppy. <laughs> and uh, Buffy uh, asks him, like, hey, Angel, uh, do you snore? <laughs> and Angel laughs. And he, he says something to the, to the extent of, you know, uh, I don't think I do. I, I haven't, you know, been around anyone while sleeping for them to tell me so. And, yeah. Yeah, it was a cute little moment. Cute little moment. And uh, we fast forward to, you know, they're at school the next day. And Buffy is talking to the Scooby gang, how you know, Angel's a perfect gentleman. He didn't try anything. He stayed all night. And what we don't know is that he's still there. <laughs> Which that I'm that I'm still trying to work out. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, at school, and this man is just in your room, just uh, oh god. And it's daytime; uh, he could go home. The vampires aren't going to get him that she knows right, of. Right, but True. but he stays. He he's still there while she's at school doing things. So, um, of course, we have our little exposition of who the three are. You know, we're in the library where we're looking at books and things. And we find out that the three are essentially vampire warriors. They're a little bit tougher than the average ilk of vampire. And they're under the master's control. And if the master is releasing the three, that means that he is pretty, you know, he's up in the ante. You know, he's trying to get Buffy out the way. Yes. Yes. And and we shoot after the library scene where Giles is all knowing in his dusty, wonderful books to mm-hmm. the master again, who right. this episode, we also get Darla and she is she. Oh, she's so good. She is so she good. Is. And and she shouldn't be. She's the antithesis. And it's one of the things I do love about Joss Worlds, too, is he takes a stereotype and he flips it upside down. She's another mousy with her tiny little voice and and she just sounds like ah and then she wears her schoolgirl uniform and then she's this vicious monster it's it is so fun i love the dichotomy but the the three the warriors go before the master and mm-hmm. and giles alludes to the fact that the master is going to be pretty pissed off and he's like well you know he's telling the anointed one he's tr- this whole time too he's teaching the anointed one about the ways of the world and blah 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 and he looks and he goes, and sometimes we, as a, whatever, we don't kill our own kind this easily. We don't do that without a lot of thought. So he's walking away with the anointed one and Darla's get this wicked smile on her face. And then she's stabby time and she kills them all. She's yeah. a death mall. And then he's like, eh, and sometimes we just murder everybody pretty much. <laughs> it, was, it was, it was really funny. I love how stuff can be scary and funny at the same time on this show too. It's wonderful. Yes. Yes. So. At that point, uh, the school day comes and goes, and Buffy is now at home where she finds Angel in her bedroom still. Lord, mm-hmm. how was she not pregnant? I don't know, because by that point, I would have been. I would have been. I. You know what? He's so hot, and the tension between them is so amazing that at this point, I'm surprised she didn't get pregnant while she was still at school. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> would have been late to school that day. Would have been the first, second, and third period. so buffy freaks out while she's in the room because she sees that her diary was you know out where she didn't leave it so i wish i would have wrote down the uh, the series of quotes because they were funny hilarious and adorable they were so 
Buffy is like, under the You don't impression. even know what A means. It's this man from this other place. And la 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 la. la. Yes, and, it was Ahmed, a very nice, <laughs> yes. very and, nice and, a foreign and, exchange student. And this doesn't mean that. Don't make assumptions. <laughs> yes, she is just clearly telling on herself because she's under the assumption that Angel was rooting around her diary while uh, she was gone. Angel then told her, like, hey, your mom came in. She moved your diary cleaning your room. I hid in the closet. I swear I didn't read your diary. And she's no put at ease. Now, when I was 15, 16, uh, <laughs> Heather, my mother did not clean my room. <laughs> she would enter my room, look at it, and say, hey, clean your room, or I'll be punching because my room wasn't already clean. But a parent going through a teenager's room to, to clean it, is this something that actually happens or was this just like a, a TV trope? I don't know. When I and I I can't really compare my own childhood to this because by the time I was seven or eight, I would come home with a list of chores that I had to do. And if they weren't up to snuff, we would get a little bit of allowance a week. But if they weren't done up to snuff, we would be deducted money. Ooh. So I actually owed money at the end of the week often. Oh, <laughs> so 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 my my upbringing not the same as as most children I know I thought that was normal until I was an adult I was like oh yeah oh oh that's not now as a mother myself <clears throat> I don't want to go I have older children and I have younger children I do not want to go in my older children's rooms I don't want to <laughs> know what's going on in there I don't want to smell the smells I don't want to see any of it I don't want to touch anything that is clothing at all I want to have nothing to do with any of it. I trust my kids, so I'm not going to go through their crap unless I was seriously worried. And yeah, I'm 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 certainly not going to clean their room. What happens is I get the, I'll peek in there, and if it's a disaster, then it's blah, 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 get your butt up here and clean this shit. And then you get, <laughs> and then that's 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 my parenting right there. So no, I don't do that. And but I know that there's parents and like I couldn't take it anymore and I had to clean their room. I'm like, no, you know what I've done? I've taken garbage bags and their stuff has gone in the trash. That's <laughs> that's what happens if it gets too bad. So no, no, oh. I don't go I don't go through my kids' stuff. But my mom did go through my stuff. Oh and wow. my mom, my mom did read my diaries and those kinds oh. of things. So yeah, yeah. So I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't have a diary <laughs> to go through. I'm so sorry, but my parents were definitely good. Like shut doors were like a no-no growing up. Yeah, like, this is my house. You don't just shut your door. Like I would see in my room just doing something. They just shut door open, look in, and keep walking. Like, can I help you? Is that something? I okay, <laughs> but yeah, but cleaning my room? No, 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 no. Mm -mm. Uh, especially at that are... age. Especially exactly. at that age. Yes. Uh, we were triggered <laughs> in my childhood because my parents were like religious. My, my parents are uh, mem uh, they're ranking officials. That's really where it panned. But you know, they have positions in church. So I grew up in a very, you know, like, I want to say strict, but very Christian household. And we knew that if we heard gospel music first thing Saturday morning, it was time to get up and start cleaning. Like we, we heard that music. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> get up. Like, my dad was good for busting through my room door like at eight o'clock and like, get up, do this, 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 this. I'm like, okay, dad, okay, fine, fine. <laughs> yes, but the, the actual parents cleaning of the rooms never happened. <laughs> never now, happened. Let, I wish let, let me ask you this. When you hear gospel music now, do you feel like cleaning? 
Mm. <laughs> Oddly enough, I put Pop on gospel music too clean. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is it. It, it. it is definitely Pavlov in training. Like, it's time to clean up the old school, the go- all of that goes on. And that's when, you know, it's time to clean. It is, it's old school and gospel. When you hear those things, some serious cleaning is going to get done. Oh God, I love it. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, and another small cleaning tangent. I now understand why my why my parents had us clean floorboards as children. I can't do that shit now at thirty seven. Ew, hurting my back. No, children, get a get a rag and wipe these floorboards down, please. Thank you. I will pay <laughs> someone's child to come clean my floorboards. I I, I refuse. <laughs> I refuse. Like I work all day and have to come and clean floorboards. No, no, you child, you will hear fresh new back. You do this. I understand. New back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I get it now. In my older I am, age. I am going to use that on my children, Mark. <laughs> get, do it. Over, do it. get over here with your fresh new back and clean this for me. <laughs> yes, yes. It's it's new. It's still under warranty. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. So, it's true though. So Buffy doesn't clean her room, and Angel didn't read her diary, and now they're very close, face-to-face. Very, very close. And Angel tells her, I have to go, again, because I'm much older than you, and I want to kiss you, so I Uh, need to leave. Yeah, the second he says that, we know he's not going anywhere, Uh -uh. anywhere, unless it's back to that bed. Exactly. And Buffy knows this, too. She, she, She has, like, the the chin down, eyes forward, you know, like the come and get it look. And they kiss. And it was good. It was nice. And he, of course, pushes himself away and he's hiding his face. And, you know, Buffy's, you know, she's getting close. Like, hey, what's wrong? What's going on? And we get up and we see Angel is a vampire. He is full vampire, ugly eyes turn colors and Buffy just screams she screams and screams and like a victim and it was a good scream too it was it was a great scream but this is you know atypical behavior that we've seen from Buffy thus far big scream big scream and he jumps out the window Buffy uh oh sorry Joyce Buffy's mom comes into the room and you know what's wrong like what's wrong she says I'm sorry I had a nightmare She, she makes up some excuse yeah. And you know she walks away. Okay, now there's there's two things here. One, uh-huh. I know that I remember the story that David Boreanaz and Sarah Michelle Gellar talked about, which I love. This was actually their their first kiss in the entire series too. Sometimes they shoot episodes out of order and that kind of thing, but this mm-hmm. was actually their first kiss. They oh. both ate the most repulsive things that they possibly could all day that would give them the worst breath. Why would they do that to each other? I don't know. Do you feel all that tension? No, maybe they needed to douse it a little bit. Yeah, he, was, he was married at the time, I think. Ah, well, yeah. <laughs> and number two, when vampires are aroused, my first thought was when vampires are aroused, does does that mean their angry face comes on? Like every time they have a stiffy, do, do they get the the vamp face? Why if did we're this going happen? By true blood standards, yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, that, true that blood, is true blood with the, the scary vamp face is kind of hot, though. This one is scary. 
yeah and, and ugly but boreanis has got like great brows for the vamp makeup he does like it, it is definitely like the furrowed brow he has i call it like the forehead shelf mm-hmm. like you like you you, you can hang a, a a picture frame off of that thing it's 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 very uh lateral <laughs> he pulls it off he pulls he does, it off he does Okay, so oh. well, so after that, you know, Buffy goes to school the next day, and the day before it was, "Weehaw! I got Angel in my bedroom." This time it was, "I got Angel in my room, and he's a vampire." Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, think about that too. How many times have you decided you really liked a guy, and he seemed great and seemed wonderful, and then you kiss him, or you make out, or you start to get really invested, and you find out there's something seriously wrong that's a whole different podcast heaven but it is it is but that is kind of the situation here this is the situation that's happening and i think it's relatable even though they're using the vampire analogy in the situation which adds an extra layer because in reality for buffy he's actually a vampire but mm-hmm. <laughs> which right, she kills right. Yes. So we found out um, Angel's a vampire to discuss it. And of course, Xander, who is somehow, well, not somehow, we, we understand why, he is very jealous <laughs> of, of Angel. He sees him as competition, but Xander, you can't compete where you don't compare. And quite honestly, you know, there is no competition here. But and Xander is not helping this situation. No. But he's also not lying either. Mm-hmm. Xander is essentially telling Buffy, like, hey, Buffy, you know, he's a vampire. You're a vampire slayer. You know what you have to do. You know, this. That there's no good that can possibly come from this. And, you know, he's right. Yes, he's 100% correct there. But also we can see how, you know, him being right is also a boost, you know, for him. Not fully rubbing it into Buffy's face, but you can definitely see how, you know, this is advantageous for him to, to take this stance as fervently as he is. Yes, he's he's excited about it. And when he realizes it, he says it. And he's saying it with somewhat gleefully, while Buffy acknowledges that he is correct. Mm-hmm. She must slay. That's what she does. He's a vampire. And Giles is already backed up to, you know, they're all they're all demons. They're not. Yeah. There, I mean, there's no such thing as a good vampire. They're monsters. They're animals. This is not. And Buffy's asking. Yeah, and she asking the questions. And she and she gets the answers she doesn't want, but she accepts them. And applause for that because that's very, very freaking mature. I'm not that mature at 41. (laughs) I would have been trying to find a way to make that situation work. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, like what if I wear like garlic, like like a necklace? Maybe come back and work, you know. Like, we can work with this. All the mental gymnastics. All yes. the mental gymnastics. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so now we go back to uh, the layer with the master, and uh, where we're hearing some things. Um, the uh, the master is talking to Darla about Angel, and here we start to see that there's a connection between Darla an angel that we didn't quite you know know before so they don't get too much into it at this point but there is definitely an illusion well of uh, they're uh, they're alluding to 
some history between Darla and Angel that goes beyond, you know, Sunnydale. Yes. And even the master alludes to the fact that he knows who Angel was before, but he refers to him as Angelus. He was yes. one of my favorites. Yes. Mark my is so much fun. But yes, he refers to him as Angelus. And then I think we click to the next scene back in the library again. And this is one of the first episodes too, where they do that. They're going to a lot of back and forth, which, mm -hmm. which usually they stick with scene by scene up to this point too. This one is definitely a lot more quick pace that way with everything that's going on. But we go back to the library and Giles confirms it. He's like, Oh yes, I've gone through my watcher journals. In fact, Angelus was his name before, and we find out Angel's actually 240 years old. Yes. So he was quite the villain for, you know, 150 years. And then suddenly he came to America and no more. Yeah. Nobody knows this, what happened to him. Yep. The Scourge of Europe. You know, that book on his history is kind of opening up a little bit more. He was a bad vampire. He did some crazy things and he came to America and it stopped. And no one knows why it stopped. So he's been fairly quiet. And of course, that gives uh, you know, Buffy a little glimpse of hope like, oh, he stopped. You no, know, vampires aren't known for, you know, control, you know, impulse control, but he kind of fell off the radar in, in that time frame. So we then see now, after this point, I think this is where we kind of find out that Darla has a plan to deal with Buffy and Angel. Because as we know that Darla has killed the three, so she took out, you know, the heavy hitters from the master, and now it falls to her to kind of have a plan. And she's starting to put that plan into action. Uh, this plan starts with her going to see Angel. We get to so, see his apartment for the first time. Yes, yes. His little studio apartment in the basement. Which I thought was so cool when I was 16. Yeah. And guess what? It's yeah. still kind of cool. <laughs> it's not too bad. Like, it, it, it definitely gives first apartment vibes. You know, it, it's, it's definitely, it, it's a studio in its garden level. <laughs> you know what that means. You know, it, it's definitely, it's, it's, it's not super nice. But uh, we, we see more of this place in season two. <laughs> and I can't wait to talk about those episodes. Yes, because uh, yes. the the marketing around those episodes when that when that when that when that episode came out was insane. It was just crazy. It was everywhere in how they pitched it. We'll talk about that in season two. But yeah. we see Darla and we see Angel. Darla is, is in his is in his apartment, and we find out essentially that you know there is more history there. Uh, you know they spent a lot of time together. You know, a couple of generations, I believe they say. Yes. So she spends some time with, um, with Angel. They talk, they converse. And I think, is this where Darla also says the plan is that she's going to get Buffy to, well, she, well actually, no, I'm, I'm, out of, I'm out of sync here. She tells the master that she's going to get Buffy and Angel to fight. The master is saying, how is that going to happen? Uh, Darla says, you know, she's going to make it um, such as though, you know, it's Buffy's going to kill Angel or Angel's have to kill Buffy because Buffy's coming after Angel. He has to kind of take her out to, you know, keep himself alive. And that's how she plans on killing two birds with one stone. So after the scene with uh, that happens, then we have the scene in uh, Angel's apartment. 
Uh, what happens after that? Are we back in the library? Or is this where we were? They go back in the library, play? and I think that they're uh, Willow is trying to actually tutor Buffy on history, and Buffy mm-hmm. uh, Buffy says something hilarious like. The reconstruction began after the deconstruction because the reconstruction <laughs> was shoddy. And and Willow's like, you're not paying attention to anything, are you? And Buffy's <laughs> like, no. Is it history? So it's actually history. But while they're studying, what we get to see next, because you're right, Darla, Darla has this this very twisted, twisted plan of getting Buffy dead. But like you said, also bringing Angel back to them because they want mm-hmm. him to be the vicious, nasty killer that he used to be because they're all buddies. And she goes to Buffy's house. Yes, yeah, she while does. Mom Buffy is at school trying to learn, sort of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so also she knocks trying to keep her mind off of Angel. But you know, you know how that goes. Young love yeah. and issues of the sort <laughs> yeah and this is totally on point with how how you know someone her age would take to it too uh, mm-hmm. actually she's she's a little bit more mature about it than i think a lot of people would be but you know she has she's a flair so she has like real problems that we all don't have so she can deal with it to some degree but darla shows up to her house in her cute little school girl uniform and she's looking all sweet and she's hello mrs joyce how are you i'm buffy's tutor oh no i'm teaching her this so Joyce invites Darla in. Mm, yes, yes. And let's pause here for a second. Joyce, okay, so you live in Sunnydale. You have a daughter who attends, you know, school in Sunnydale. Darla has on, like, a serious, straight-up Catholic girl uniform. You know, a la Britney Spears and Oops, I Did It Again. You know, no, I'm sorry, hit me baby one more time. The first Britney Spears song. Like, very Catholic girl. There are no Catholic schools in Sunnydale. No, there isn't. There's like 17 <laughs> graveyards, but there there's only one school. <laughs> there's only one school, and she is not dressed like your daughter is dressed. Have you 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 dropped on Buffy at school? You know what the kids wear, and she's not wearing that. But you know, parents are you know oblivious to things. Oh, you're in front of my daughter. Come on in. You know, mm-hmm. she's inviting the wolf inside of the house, essentially. But that's something that continues with Joyce throughout the seasons, too. Joyce is what I call everybody's mom. Like, all of my friends' moms, they adopted me. They all became mom to me. Joyce is definitely that mom where she's like, oh, you're, like you said, you're a friend of my daughter's. You come in, you're one of mine. I'm just going to take care of you. I'm like that, too. So, mm-hmm. but but I'm I'm more suspicious. Yes, yes. I'm like your street smarts, Joyce. Yes, yes. And clearly she has none. But I mean, I love Joyce, but that puts her in but but this is the thing that continues throughout the series too, is is everybody's willful ignorance in Sunnydale. How can you live there and not know that all this is going on? And they do a pretty good job of of showing how they don't necessarily see or what the reason for it is and later on joyce even asks questions like this doesn't make any sense (laughs) (laughs) yes so what happens buffy well it's not buffy darla darla enters the home and she attacks joyce now angel i'm always biting my tongue dog but (laughs) angel is in the neighborhood you know trying to get in contact with Buffy, trying to explain himself, like, hey, you know, this is what's going on. He hears Joyce screams, right? So he runs into the house because he's been invited previously. You know, Buffy invited him, so he's in the house. 
and he sees that Darla has fed on Joyce. Did not kill her, but he that she definitely fed on her. Uh, and you know, she's there holding Joyce, and Angel walks in, and Darla's essentially propositioning him, like, hey, you know, would you like some? Finish her off. You know, you haven't had a hot meal in the century. You know, trying to tempt him into being, you know, the old angel, the old Angelus, um, Angelus that she's aware of. Uh, of course, there's blood in the room and, you know, he's tempted. So he goes, you know, ugly vamp face and Darla throws Joyce at him. and He's holding Joyce, who has a fresh wound on her neck. By coincidence or by plan, Darla uh, Buffy walks in at this point, and Darla is gone. But she sees her mom, who is injured at the neck, being held by a vamp face angel. She throws Angel through the window. That's what which I love that shot. All you see is, is her face, and the next thing you see is Angel going through the window, and her rescinding her her invitation. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is a great moment. It really it's is. It's an awesome moment. It's an awesome moment, and. In no uncertain terms, Buffy tells Angel, if I see you again, I will kill you. And she means so, it. yes, Darla, Darla's plan is coming together perfectly. You know, that's what she intended to do. She, you know, per, she uh, created a situation where, you know, uh, we're overriding Buffy's love for Angel, you know, until, you know, hey, you're, you're endangering those who are close to me. You have to go. So, uh, we now are in the hospital. Oh, well, actually, no, Buffy has called the ambulance for her mom because she's been injured. Uh, so, we're in the hospital now. There's Buffy at the hospital for her mom. Uh, the Scooby gang is coming up in Giles. Uh, he's, he's cleaning up the pack. And, you know, they're looking in at Joyce. And this is what's crazy to me, uh, Martin Madison, you know, in the Buffyverse. They, she has a gash on her neck. And they say that she tripped and fell on a barbecue night. No, <laughs> like, really? Like that that's that that's the best that you think you come up with. <laughs> and, and she Joyce, says, we don't even own one. <laughs> yes. Like, we don't even own a barbecue fork. Like uh, I, I guess that makes sense. You know, vampires, how do you explain a vampire punk tribune? And yeah, but it was just very funny. Like she like no one thinks it was like suicide or anything. Like her neck. Who falls and punctures their neck? How, how how often does that happen? No one raised, you know, an eyebrow at no. that in Sunnydale. But think about it too. Writers have not come up with a better explanation for it. In any movie, book, or show that I've ever watched, it's always something ridiculous that is the explanation for the bite marks. Always something. This is true. Yeah, there's, there's, I, I don't think that I've ever heard anyone come up with something that is viable reasoning for the puncture marks, especially, Agreed. especially in modern shows and movies and that kind of thing. Because at this point, you know, we're all aware of vampires, monsters, and in general, there's movies and blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. So, you know, all of us are going to go, hey, that looks like a vampire mark. Even if you got yes. a picky there, you might be like, oh, who is sucking your neck like a vampire? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's it's it, it's it's a common thing but it's dismissed in all these because they're they haven't been able to come up with anything reasonable but at least they pointed it out and i can appreciate that they pointed it out by joyce going this doesn't make any sense <laughs> yes so very I, true. Gave, I gave them thumbs up on the writing on that 
Yes. So Buffy, what's that? Joyce is slowly coming to and she's talking to Buffy and Buffy asks her mom what happens. Um, Joyce begins to tell like, hey, your friend came by and all I remember is, you know, tripping on something and hurting myself. And, you know, that's all I remember. Now, Joyce said your friend. Yeah, she doesn't specify. Buffy, yeah, she did not specify who this friend was. But you know, it's it, it's a literary trope in this type of situation. It was it was specific enough for Buffy to think of Angel, but not specific enough to say you know who the friend was. Because as far as Buffy knows, the only friend that you know Joyce was recently uh, introduced to was Angel when he was you know all up in her house when she wasn't home. Hey, uh, it, we all know that was actually Darla was the quote unquote friend, but. This is enough information for Buffy to go into Slayer mode, and she's now hunting down. Well, she's left the hospital to hunt down Angel. And I think this is the first episode, which we get is something that happens in the future seasons, and I like is whenever she goes into her bag or her chest of weapons and picks what she wants to go take, because that means some serious shit is about to go down. And oh yeah, ass kicking mode is coming, and this is the first time we see her with a crossbow too. I am yeah. personally not a fan of crossbows, but when Buffy carries one, I'm fine with it. <laughs> She's allowed. It's essentially, you know, going back to like the actual movie, crossbows and Buffy's go together like peanut butter and jelly. Oh, I love it. You know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, 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 it's, 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 a two, it's two things that you'll see together often. So Buffy is now on the hunt for Angel. You know, she, she, she's got to take him out. Like he injured her mom. Uh, while she's hunting down Angel... Uh, Giles is now talking to, uh, to to Joyce as she's coming to more, and she says the name of the person who was the friend. Like, yeah, her friend Darla's helping her study for X, Y, and Z. And Giles is like, Darla? That, that, that's who's at the house? Like, yeah, Darla, you know, a nice little girl. And, you know, so the Scooby gang is now like, oh, we know who Darla is. That is not a friend. Angel didn't do this. So they're looking for Buffy to tell her, hey, Angel's like the perpetrator here. It's Darla. So in the meantime, Buffy finds Angel and they begin to fight it out. Now, as we all know, Buffy is the vampire slayer, but uh, Angel's also a 240-year-old vampire. He is not, uh, uh, you know, he's not a weakling. So, you know, they're going at it, you know, and Angel, for the most part, is playing the offensive. He doesn't want to hurt Buffy, you no. know, but, no. you know, he wants to defend himself because he doesn't want to die either. Yeah, but he's still half-hearted about it. It feels the whole, his whole entire effort in it is half-hearted, which is when you get into the actual conversation between the two of them. Yes, yes. And this is where we find out about Angel's curse, mm -hmm. a little bit about Angel's curse. So to catch everyone else up, uh, when now this I'm sorry, did this happen in Europe or did it happen after he when he hit the Americas? Uh, but he essentially fed on a young gypsy girl, and her tribe put a curse on him so that he kept his soul. Yes. So at this point, Angel is the first vampire that we know of that has a soul. As we have uh, learned earlier in this episode, uh, when the demon, vampires are essentially low-level demons, when the demons, you know, infect a person, 
um, and they become a vampire. The demon gets the body, but the soul, you know, passes on to, you know, whatever happens, the afterlife, essentially. But uh, the Romani, I'm sorry, I say Romani instead of Gypsy because that's just what... <laughs> exactly, what I know. Oh, I know. No, in, in, in my PC-ness, I train myself, when I hear Gypsy, I say Romani. And, you know, so <laughs> so I'll try to keep it accurate. Uh, the, actually, no, fuck it. Romani, that's who they are. We're not going to say yes, Gypsy, I'm sorry. We can do but, it. Uh, the Romani tribe that curse uh, Angel, but it'll be, you know, apt that you are this killing machine, but you now have a soul to contemplate and, you know, be aware of all the horrible things that you're doing to people. Yes. You know, so that is yeah. a very new thing. Haven't seen that before in, you know, vampire lore. Angel's essentially a vampire that has the ability to have remorse. So and he has... As Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has all those superpowers that a vampire has, but he's also, like you said, he's been one of the most awful vampires ever noted in history of the Watchers. So now he has to deal with the guilt of all of the crimes he committed, even though it wasn't him in his own body. He has the memories of it. He also confesses to Buffy at this point, which he told her earlier in the episode that his parents were killed by vampires. Well, he was the vampire that killed his parents and all of his friends and everybody that they knew. He slaughtered everyone on top of yeah. it. So, he, so he's laying it out for her, too. He's like, this is who I am. This is this is my baggage here. You still want some of this? You can kill me now. I'm I'm not hiding anything from you. This is the truth, mm-hmm. though. And it's kind of it's kind of sad. It is. It is. So this doesn't, you know, <laughs> so. Angel's already hot, okay? I think we've, we've established that. But he's hot and damaged. So, so he's the... perfect! <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Especially at 15, he is fucking perfect. <laughs> the sound of a million panties disintegrating <laughs> across the country. That's, you know, like cotton candy hitting a soda, just fizzing and just diluting. That's what it was. Like, oh, he's hot and he's damaged. I can fix him. See, I'm reliving all of it right now. (laughs) 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 But it's true. It's so true. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So it's just like, oh, God, Angel. Really? (laughs) Really? So uh, Buffy, you know, hearing all of this, because Buffy still has questions because she's, she's not fully buying the whole angel's a bad guy thing. Because often to this point, yeah, she knows deep down that he's really not. But also the fact that he had so many other opportunities to murder Buffy, to you know, dispatch of her quickly with no problems. He has he's not, you know, done it yet. So Buffy is honestly, I don't think she's even partially convinced that he's a bad guy. At one point, she puts down the crossbow and she's like, you know take me out, you know, you know if, if, if you're this horrible big bad, kill me right now. And she offers her neck to him, this whole vulnerable moment. I mean, she does. She puts her neck out, like, go ahead, go ahead, drink for mm-hmm. me. And we we know that Slayer blood, too, is extra yummy. It's, it's, yeah. it's delicious. It tastes, it tastes like whatever your favorite drink is. Plus, maybe some of that ecstasy that the bartender put in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, Her she MDMA. puts she she <laughs> yeah, she goes she goes completely 
out with the vulnerability because he's just, but he's also just expressed that to her too. He just didn't yeah. know if she'd receive it. And so I think that was her way of responding in kind. And as the show goes on, this is, this is something with the two of them anyway, where they're both, they're, she's damaged too. Yeah, everybody's so, damaged. Yeah, everybody is. But they 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 recognize something in each other from the beginning. And here's mm-hmm. I think the first point where they're both like going, okay, enough with the the bullshit. This is this is this is me. This is you. Let's figure this out. And it's a really great moment. And then we've got a problem. Yep. Here comes Dollar Darla mm-hmm. practically emerging from the shadows. Right. You know, she's, you know, she's a little pissed right now because she was here to watch, you know, them kill each other and hopefully bring, you know, well, Angel to kill Buffy and then, you know, have Angel come back into the fold with the master. But, uh, you know, that doesn't happen. So she makes herself known. And one of the first things she says is that, you know, it's, she doesn't say, I'm paraphrasing here, but like, it's weird having someone you love, love someone else. Yeah. Yes. Which, true it is yeah <laughs> but you know we were we already had the hint of a past history with darla and angel but here they're spelling it out that they were in love and not only were they in love but darla was the vampire that made angel yeah that's some heavy business yes like that's layers upon layers you know that's some intimacy right there. You know, Darla made Angel. And, you know, he was supposed to take out Angel Buffy so they can get back together. And Buffy, being Buffy, is making, you know, jabs at Darla. Like, oh, you know, he went for the younger model, someone younger. And, you know, that gets under Darla's skin a little bit, right? So this is one of my favorite Darla moments. So Darla's a vampire, okay? We know she's a vampire. Uh, she's now a older season vampire because we know that she's older than Angel. Exactly how much older, we don't know, but she's an older vampire than Angel. And vampires are powerful, superhuman, you know, demonic beings. Darla pulls out two fucking pistols I- to take out Buffy. And that's why I appreciate that. I'm like, yes, Darla. Exactly. She knows. This is a vampire slayer. No, she's strong. She can t- she can take on a uh, she can take out vampires, but a bitch can't stop a bullet. So nope. she, <laughs> she brought out two pistols to handle this situation, and I'm like, this is a bad moment, darling. But you know what? I respect that. I respect <laughs> I that. I know my note is bitch is wielding two guns. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm, I'm I'm right with you on it too. And I remember I remember the first time watching this and it came back to me while I was experiencing this because I still had that oh, oh yeah. It was they don't use guns on this show. <laughs> exactly. Like you, you think, hey, that's cheating. But they're like dollar she doesn't give a fuck about cheating. She wants to win. No, it's that's the exactly very dollar it. thing. She's smart. She's smart. And she has backup plans. I respect the shit out of Darla. Yeah, it's like, you know what, Darla? I I see you. (laughs) I see you. (laughs) This is something I would have done. But it was so uncharacteristic because like a vampire, you are the weapon. You don't need anything extra. Perfect. But looking at, from Darla's point of view, she's taking out, you know, these stronger vampires. She's taking out the three. You know, what can I do to kind of, you know, Beat level the playing field. Yeah. Yeah. 
and shoot her. <laughs> Exactly. Buffy came with a crossbow. She didn't come with guns. No. Right. And and she really didn't know, too, what Angel would do. Angel's not predictable. He was, you know, kind of a, it's going to depend on whether or not Buffy kills him or he kills Buffy. I mean, there were so many mm-hmm. variables here. Like you said, she came prepared. And yes. it was great. And Angel gets shot in this mm-hmm. fight, too. But he's a vampire, so it just hurt. Right. It's annoying, but it's not, you know, deadly. As opposed to, you know, you shoot the Slayer. And Slayers do have some faster healing abilities than a, than an average person. But still, you know, if you get shot in the head, you can't really heal from that. Now, can you? No, she's still mortal. She's still mortal. Very much so. She's mortal with so. superpowers. Vampires are immortal. It's, it is different. It is very different. But, yes. yeah. So this this fight was great. In fact, this is the first episode, too. I feel like a lot of the fight choreography was really good. The The, the first scene with Angel and Buffy when they were with the three, the, the moment where Buffy goes back and both of her legs kick the dudes next to her, that was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks good, too, still. Some of, the, some of the fight sequences don't look as good as they used to. Some of them haven't aged well, but that one looked really great. And this was a good, good scene. And you could actually see everything that was happening. I hate it in shows and movies when they're like, oh, we're going to cut to this shot. Oh, we're going to cut to this shot. No, it was open. Mm -hmm. You could see where everybody was. You had an actual physical understanding of the room because we're in the bronze. It was Uh was good. And the emotional buildup to this point was was pretty wild. So It 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 was a really, really great climax. And then at the end... You expect that Buffy's going to be the one that's going to slay Darla or she's going to run away. But that's not what happens. It is not. So before we get to that point, we uh, Xander and Willow finally show up and they distract Darla for a second by informing Buffy like, hey, Buff, that, uh, Angel did not attack your mom. It was Darla the whole time. So it's like a <laughs> for, you know, for, you know, uh, for uh, Buffy, you know, she could turn that faucet back on. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Dog tries to go after, you know, the the Scooby gang. Uh, Buffy's essentially, you know, um, she, she's hunkering down. You know, her back is against the wall at this point because Darla has guns and she's shooting like a Tarantino, you know, fight scene, though. Guns are blazing. And, you know, she can fight Darla, but Darla with guns is a little bit difficult. So, uh, Buffy, no, not Buffy Lord, Angel uh, actually takes out Darla. You know, sneaks up behind her and he stakes her. Yeah. And, you know, we, we see her turn into dust. And this is big. Angel killed Darla. Wow. You know, and you have that whole added context of, you know, the student killing the teacher. You know, Darla made Angel. Now Angel has killed Darla. And, you know, there really is no kind of going back from that like wow. no there's also the they were they were lovers and yeah. and they had a relationship and darla thought she still had that that over angel and you know he did mm-hmm. seem tempted a few times throughout the episode somewhere in there he still i think i think he the way i interpreted it was it would be easier for him to be able to go back to the way he was and be with darla right. and not have to carry all this guilt and this this pain with him and here he's not only, like you said, killing the teacher, his maker. He's killing his lover. He's he's essentially choosing Buffy here too. She put Buffy in jeopardy, and he chose Buffy. But part of it too, I feel like, is he chose himself here. He chose who he is now, and this is where he is and where he wants to be. 
It was a big, that whole entire death was a huge statement. It was, it was. And it's like, I wrote Bye Bye Darla. Like, I enjoyed Darla so much. Me too. She's great. And yes. Luckily enough, if you aren't, if you are new to the Buffyverse, uh, I will say to you that you will see Darla again in, in previous seasons, in, in future seasons and other shows as well. Yes. But, uh, for right now, this is a uh, it's more of a so long than a bye bye to Darla, uh, but you no, know, she does come back in flashbacks and things in in later seasons that kind of expand upon the lore and history of Angel. So we we got a lot of the episodes called Angel, of course. So we got a nice foundation of the history of Angel, but in later seasons we get to flesh out a lot more. And with a horrible Scottish accent. Oh my oh gosh, God. it's so yeah. bad. And the most terrible wig I've ever seen in my life. That wig is bad. god awful. It hurts me every time I see it. It's I swear. Terrible. It's, terrible. it's like it's like a bunch of toupees that Boreanis took off of somebody and just glued them together. It's it's bad. Mm -hmm. It's so bad. But yeah, the dialect is it's, god awful. It's like they took like a handful of those like synthetic hair ponytails they sell at the mosque <laughs> uh, at the mall kiosk. And someone just like, kind of sewed them together haphazardly. And yeah, lace fronts weren't a thing in, in the 90s, kids. <laughs> Wig <laughs> technology is not where it is now. <laughs> By all means, it, it's kind of terrible. But with switches of wigs <laughs> and vampires, me and my friends, we have this joke. Like, we pay attention to hair. We're, we're, we, we really look at hair. But we, come, we always talk about how the hair is so bad in, in the view of a vampire. Like the movie, everyone's hair is terrible, especially Brad Pitt's. But who had a really good wig was uh, God, Antonio Banderas. His Antonio Banderas is, yeah. Like, it was like, why is this wig so good? Everyone else's wig is so terrible. I've come to the conclusion that it wasn't a wig. It was like a halfy. Like the front was all his and the back was like fake. Like like the hairline was too natural. It looked too good I for think Armand. Right. Yeah, like... I no, like it. No one's wig. Everyone's wig was terrible in that I, movie. You know, except his. I didn't start seeing really good wigs until Lord of the Rings. True. That True. was about the time where really great wigs, and I remember going watching it, and I, you know, it's not a thought that you should be having, but it's a thought that I was having, going, "Wow, these look really great." Yes. <laughs> but they do. They look wonderful. You could now, even at twenty something years later, you can't tell that they're wigs. Mm hmm. Very true. Like a bad wig can take me out of a movie. But Venom, Michelle Williams' wig in Venom was horrendous. Like y'all, come on, can, can can we fix this, please? This wig is terrible. Yes, but we we have the technology now. We also can dye our hair if we really want to go for it. True. You know, you know women have even shaved their heads in movies. I mean, Demi Moore did it. Sigourney mm -hmm. Weaver did it. Yep. I would do it just so I have an excuse to do it. But. <laughs> <laughs> You guys are never going to see me bald. I'm so sorry. I really want uh, you to. You have the bone structure for a shortcut. I actually, if my hair, I, I would make a beautiful looking man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know because Brosnan looks like me and he is a very good looking man. <laughs> there you go. Proof of, but, proof of concept. But I had, I had a really short bowl cut when I was like um, 11 or 12. My mom mm -hmm. did Demi Moore, ironically. My mom was like, in nothing but trouble. She was like, ah, oh, and goes, She's so cute and you're so pretty. Like, I'm like, no, mom, I'm not going to look good with that hair. My hair was always long. And what happened? I hadn't gone through puberty yet. 
I had no butt. I had no hips. I had no chest. Everybody thought I was this kid, Justin Tracy, all through seventh grade. <laughs> I should not be laughing at your childhood trauma. I'm no, so sorry. You go ahead and laugh because we gotta <laughs> laugh now. We gotta laugh now. So so Justin Tracy, if you're out there still and listening to the show, I can't tell you how many times people would come up behind me. And I wore things because it was the, the early 90s. I was into grunge, so I wore and also hip hop. So I would either wear big baggy pants and big baggy white shirts all the time, which did not help. Or I would be wearing flannels and, and holy jeans with combat boots and stuff. So yeah, I didn't, oh. yeah, there was, there was nothing feminine happening in my life at the time. <laughs> everybody, <laughs> everybody thought I was a boy and it's and a specific boy at that. So I got so scared of my, my hair being short after that. Now I don't oh. give a fuck. <laughs> do it pixie you can actually be the manic pixie girl of the 90s <laughs> do, See? It. do it cut it off cut it off but yes bad wigs in the future of the show coming up and we will have a lot of fun talking about that <laughs> we will we will stay tuned but yes this is bye bye darla for now so darla is now out of the picture and of course the master is pissed uh, he lost so his bad. he lost his, his powerful acolytes. He lost the three. And now he has lost Darla. So it is now at this point just the master and the anointed one. If you if you're keeping track, the anointed one is like a I don't want to say a 12-year-old kid. He's probably like, well, I guess 12. 12 ish, maybe I sh- 10. I should have a better idea about kids' ages, but I have no idea. I would say I would say 10 even. I think he's a little bit younger, maybe. Maybe. I could be yeah. wrong. But he's, the anointed one he's has not hit puberty yet. That's that's <laughs> accurate. He's under that age. He's under the, yes. the he's under the Justin Tracy age. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yeah. So you know that the the anointed one is trying to essentially make the master feel by like, hey, you no, know, we're going to do this. I'm the one that's going to kill Buffy. You know, I'll lead her right to you. You know, we're going to fix this. Yeah, he's giddy about it. He's like. Psh- yeah. No problem. No problem. We're fine. We got this. No big. No big. He's he's totally chill for a little dude. But you know, he's he's anointed. He's got his powers. So he's he's right. fine. So and but, that's essentially where the episode ends, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I think they have a gathering, a fumigation party to return oh, yeah. to the bronze. Yeah, and, the post-fumigation party. And this is one of my favorite lines of the movie of this of this uh episode. Uh, so, like, how is this different oh, yeah. from the fumigation party? Uh, Buffy asked that question to Xander. And Xander says, no, they're just more hardier cockroaches. Now. <laughs> Which, again, yes. Xander with the funny. Oh, with and the funny. Angel. Angel shows yes. up here. And a noted difference, he now has on a white button down. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. <laughs> give, He's graduated. Button down. He yes. got a new shirt. Yay, Angel. <laughs> uh, oh, how can I forget this thing? So, yes, enjoying a white buff, a button down. This is the first time Angel and Buffy sees each other, you know, since the big, you know, to do um, at the bronze. And uh, Xander and Willow are in the corner and they see uh, Angel walk in and Xander turns around and protests and has his back to, you know, Buffy and Angel. Buffy and Angel converse, you know, they're talking and they're going for a kiss. They're kissing. Now, funny part, uh, Willow seeing them kiss. Uh, Xander has his back toward them. He's like, as long as they're not kissing, I'm okay. 
and they're totally kissing. Now, unlike the first kiss, uh, Buffy, uh, you know, Angel changed. You know, he went all snarly, and he's kind of fighting that back. There's some pensive tension in his face, and Buffy is, you know, asking, "Hey, is it is it painful? Are you okay?" He said, "You know, it's a little painful, but you know, I'll, I'll get over it." Now, Buffy's wearing a cross. We noticed yeah. this earlier. The one Big that she cross. he gave her too. Yeah. So no, while she's kissing him, you know, they're chest to chest. And as Buffy walks away from the kiss, we see that her cross has burnt a uh, across to his chest. <laughs> so, you know, the whole pain is love and love is pain. Oh my God, this is tortured. exactly what I wrote down in giant letters. I'm like, they kiss, love is pain. I wrote in giant letters. Oh God, but oh, it's, it's it's true. So good though, yes, it is. And it, what I tell you, this sets the tone for the rest of the series seasons, essentially moving forward in in, in the Buffy verse with these two characters. It's it's just well, actually, well, for we'll talk about that next episode. But yes. yeah, like the pain is love. It's like yeah, like these it's... these two people are you know are doomed to. For this day not to work, they are and they know it. Yeah, they know it, and that's the crazy thing. Yeah, they know that this cannot work. You're a vampire. I'm a vampire slayer. I'm 15. You're 240. You know, we this can't work. Yeah, yeah. Um, Right, Joss. uh, They did the the 20th anniversary thing. I think it was the People magazine. Um, a Mm -hmm. couple years ago, and everybody from the cast showed up, and they talked to Joss separately big shock um (laughs) but they were interviewing joss and they were asking him essentially about the buffy angel romance and he goes i don't know how i did it it was easily the greatest thing i've ever written and i'll never be able to do it again and it's it's true it's a romance for all the times all the times it's what sucked me in and i'm not that and and that's not usually my thing at all I I'm like the romance can be you know it's a side story I'm not so interested no these two I was like I'm so into all of this yeah and this episode is why it gets yeah ya. I'm an it adult does. I'm still I'm still feeling all those teenager feelings and and that and also too that feeling of first love it does kind of feel like you're gonna die if you don't have that person. Like, I think, I think as we get older, sometimes we forget about that, what that feeling was when you were that young, how intense it was when you were into someone or really cared about someone. Oh, yes. So let me tell you, a little insert to Mark's life. So my first real relationship, um, it wasn't at, you know, the age of the show 16. I was like an adult, like young adult. Uh, and uh, oh, what, what song was it? Grand Theft Autumn by Follow Boy. This is when you could actually, this is the start of having ringtones as like actual music. Yeah. So, uh, the person I was seeing at the time, that was their ringtone on my phone. And if you if you know how that song begins, it's, uh, where is your boy tonight? I hope he is a gentleman. Maybe he won't find out what I know. You are the last good thing about this part of town. So whenever my phone rang, it was that. It was him. And like, I can say this. <laughs> this was, ooh, almost 20 years ago. 
And I heard that and I smiled like, oh, I was young and dumb. <laughs> like, like, oh. like it, it, it's, it's, a, it's the brief, like, it's a hit of like that first young love feeling. Like, yeah, I remember that. Like that, that giddiness and that, it didn't last. And we're friends and we're, we're cool. Like we're. That's awesome, and, actually. Yeah. But then it's like, oh my God, I was, yeah. Like it, you're taken back. It's, it's, it's a brief time travel and it's so awesome. Like to, to have that feeling. Like, oh, I, I remember that. I remember my first like real crush, like, and he was, he ended up being my first kiss too. His name was oh. Tony Stevens. Yep. He was the, the boy that lived down the street. He was adopted by the family that lived there. In fact, they just adopted kids regularly. Sometimes they fostered. They had dogs too. They had greyhounds that they did. Really, really nice people. And I always wanted to hang out with them because everybody was damaged. And so was I. (laughs) But no, no, he was, he was, he would come and play sports with me and my, my little brother. My brother's two years younger than me. And we played street Mm -hmm. hockey constantly. We played volleyball. We were my my mom in the summer it was foot up your ass you go outside you come in when it's dark <laughs> you come in when the street lights come on yep yep when the street lights come on you come home and you can't go far too far i was i wasn't allowed to go anywhere so everybody came to our place and whenever he would come over i was like oh and i was never like that around boys i was always <laughs> all right i'm in charge these are the rules and he would come around and be like what do you want to play what do you want to do and I was so not my normal self. And I just, I just fell in love with him. And, and then we, he was my boyfriend for like two months and I freaked out and dumped him. <laughs> <laughs> he liked me when I looked like Justin Tracy. Okay. We, he liked me when I looked like Justin Tracy. He liked me. He should have been the perfect guy. And I screwed it up because that's me. But, <laughs> but yeah, so, so it didn't work out. It was an adolescent thing. And then he ended up moving away with his family by the time I was in high school but I admit I have looked him up a few times over the years I just want to know if he's happy or not because he was a cool Aww. guy and and he was so sweet and he made me feel good so my first my first but I was obsessed like I still sort of played with Barbies at the time and I shouldn't have probably been anymore and I made Barbie Heather and and Tony fall in love yeah so Tony Stevens if you're out there Little Heather Aww. still loves you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's about as well, much as they get. <laughs> it's, it's 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 frozen in time. It, it's such mm-hmm. a it, it, it's a beautiful thing. It, it really is. It's like oh, I remember that. Y'all being like, okay, put you back on the shelf now. <laughs> Move the exactly, door. exactly. Because <laughs> I don't ever want to feel it again. Because it's crazy. You're oh, irrational. Yeah. You're nuts. You do dumb shit like Buffy did. <laughs> and she's lucky it worked out. <laughs> Indeed. So, guys, that is episode seven. Yes. Angel. <laughs> yeah, we're official. So our next yeah. episode is going to be very, very interesting. It is um, because it's going to have a lot of technological funsies to, to oh, yeah. go back and look at. Oh, God. Yeah. I, and I, <laughs> I'd forgotten about this one. So it'll be fun. It was a good one. It was a good one. But, guys, thank you for listening to you know episode seven of word of Hellmouth. uh our host which will be me mark armstead and heather baxi wash heather where can where can the people find you oh yeah you can find me on the interwebs um you can find me under my pen name hb walsh uh on facebook and you can find me on instagram on there and um 
Yeah, you can find the show on rabbitholepodcast.com and a bunch of other really cool shows that they have on there too. Like there's literally something for everybody. Indeed, indeed. All right, where can we find you, Mark? Oh, you can find me at Elite Since 85 on Instagram and Twitter. And that's spelled E-L-I-T-E-S-I-N-C-E-8-5, the numbers. Uh, it's a whole lot of shit posting, <laughs> honestly. One day, I keep telling myself, one day I'll have a legitimate, you know, social media presence. But it's really just me posting crazy things that I come across that are, you know, just really funny in videos of things that I cook and things that I buy. It, it, it is complete chaos, but you know, that's my social media life and that's okay. I'm okay with it. You should be too. <laughs> but yeah, friend of me, talk to me. I, I I talk to people and things. So yeah, Instagram and uh, Twitter. Word of Hellmouth is hosted by Heather Baxendale-Walsh and Mark Armstead. The show is edited and produced by Jason Soto, and we are just one of many Rabbit Hole podcast shows. You can find episodes of this show over at rabbitholepodcast.com, Anchor, Apple, Google, and anywhere else you find your podcasts. The theme song is used is Noise Attack by Kevin McLeod and can be found at incompetech.com, I-N-C-O-M-P-E-T-E-C-H.com. And that has been our show. Follow us on our social so you can catch us on our next episode. And that's all I've got. Grr. Copyright 2023 Rabbit Hole Podcasts, rabbitholepodcast.com.